are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an April 24th Tuesday morning. The season is over edition of Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, editor and writer over at LeBron Wire, part of the USA Today NBA Wire sites, where you can still read me because that team's still in the playoffs. And your host here of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to the show. It is a Tuesday. I know I said online that I was going to come with a podcast on Sunday. I did not deliver, and I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that I did not have a Monday pod for you guys to ruminate on. Uh, But uh, it just wasn't able to happen for me this weekend. I'm sorry. Obviously, there's a lot of NBA. I had some other stuff, other responsibilities, and so I'm sorry for not getting it to you. But, um, you know, it seems like we have... The one thing I have on my side is we have a lot of time to talk about this um, because I feel like the time for sweeping changes has already come and gone, but we'll see. I mean, I could be proven wrong in the next, you know, two hours for all we know with how the NBA coaching carousel is expected to go. I hope not. Um, But yeah, the Blazers are out of the playoffs after a 131-123 game four loss in New Orleans to complete the sweep. Anthony Davis had 47 points and 10 rebounds. Drew Holiday had 41 points and 8 assists, looking like Kyrie Irving and LeBron James in that uh, Game 5 of the 2016 NBA Finals where they came back and both put up 40 to... Well, in this case, uh, Holiday and Davis ended the series, whereas Kyrie and... LeBron were extending the series and sending it back home for a game six. And Portland, unfortunately, will not have any more games this season because they are done. And then uh, to kind of just get away from the season immediately, they had exit interviews at early Sunday morning at the practice facility. I did not make that. I was at I was in a cabin in the woods um, enjoying my life. Uh, feeling good. It was great. So, uh, you know, I, I, I know that I'm sure you want me to be there at exit interviews, but maybe not, because it was a Sunday, and I was doing whatever, um, and, and, and enjoying the, the, the nice weather that we finally have here, um, and I didn't make the exit interviews, but thankfully, uh, the people that are on the beat did, and, uh, they had all the reports that we would need, I thought there was some interesting stuff that was said at the exit interviews, and we'll talk about that in uh, a little bit, you, you know, what do they do, what what are they saying about what happened, um, gotta say, a little props to CJ McCollum for the, the 38 points in game four, I, you know, I, we, we talk about the games here, I'm a big believer in that the games tell us more than what the people say, uh, tell us, and you know, CJ McCollum with a big game, finally going to work on Etwan Moore, and 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 really putting it to him. Uh, obviously, the Blazers 
would have liked to have that in the first two games of the series. Uh, I'm sure CJ would have liked to, to have had that in the first two games of the series when they were at home. But uh, the 38, not enough to get the win against the Pelicans. And then immediately after the game, Mark Stein from the New York Times reports that there's already been whispers in coaching circles about Terry Stotts. There have been multiple podcasts nationally talking about the hot seat situation with Terry Stotts and and what happens with him. I do think that it was a a sign that Olshay will not be the one to fire him when he came out with Terry Stotts together at the exit interview. Um, I I think that that was a sign that it's not going to be Neil's call, that he's not going to throw him under the bus. And I think Neil's basically telling Neil Olshay, excuse me, the the GM, president of basketball operations, is basically daring Paul Allen, you know, if you're going to have to fight, if you're going to fire us, you're going to fire us both. And so, um, or at least fire me first, because he's not going to be the one that fires Terry. And, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Neil O'Shea for that. Um, that's just my read on it. I don't know that he's done that. But, you know, I've heard in the past that even when O'Shea came in that, you know, there were a lot of guys. And typically when a GM comes in, it's, um, you know, they turn everybody over and, uh, you know, he, he left a lot of the guys from the previous front office with Chad Buchanan um, and the interim group that was here before Olshay got the job a couple of years ago, he, you know, he, he didn't fire almost anybody. He let them all stay for the most part. Uh, and so, uh, you know, one of the things about Olshay, you know, whatever you want to say about him, it seems like he's pretty loyal to his guys. And, and Terry was really the first guy that he brought in, uh, the first guy that he brought in as, as part of this group when, when Olshay, became in charge of the team back in 2012 so um he's sticking with him and and uh you know this decision is going to come down to paul allen now uh on what to do with terry stotts and you know personally i I don't think that they should fire him and I, i i just think that they ran into i know this is not comforting but i really do think portland ran into an awful matchup with uh, the Pelicans team, the way they're playing, Anthony Davis being arguably the best player in the league right now uh, with what he's doing on both ends of the floor, what he did to, to basically shut down Lillard and McCollum for the majority of the series, save for CJ's big game in game four, uh, it, what what Anthony Davis was able to do was it, it changed the entire series. It, it, it made it so that you know, it wasn't so simple, even if they're trying to get the ball out and they're passing the ball and they're moving the ball around. You know, Davis is still there, and then it makes it hard for, for Dame to attack, and, and it's hard to get to the rim against Anthony Davis. Dame and CJ, that's that's basically impossible to finish, and uh, that's a deterrent. And and I know that I said, you know, you, got, you have to attack those guys, and I think there are ways that you can, but... Uh, you know, we're seeing it in the Utah series too. You know, Gobert is just eating everything up at the rim against Westbrook, and they can't finish. And so, you know, when when you have guys like that that are super super disruptive, and and you don't have enough versatility on the offensive end, you know, that's what's going to do you. And I think I think Stotts just didn't have enough of that on the the roster, and I think he tried to make it 
make with it what he could, but it just didn't work. And I think that's what showed in that game was just the imbalance of Portland's or in that series, just Portland's imbalance on the roster of, especially of shooting outside of the two guards. Um, Obviously, uh, you know, I was kind of a believer in Evan Turner that maybe he could get it going. He never got it going in this series, did not have any good games. And basically with the way the Blazers are structured right now, you need Evan Turner to have some of those nice mid-range games where he's pulling up from mid-range and draining those shots. And he did not. And he did not make his threes. And he just had a rough series. Harkless getting hurt before the playoffs. That was really hard. Um, He played in game three played in game two and, and and looked pretty solid in both of those games but then his knee was sore in game four they did not play him and you know again that makes sense considering he's got two more years on that contract he's still also very very young so um you know makes sense to be safe with Harkless he did not play in game four but uh yeah, there's rumors about Terry Stotts, but he, I, I don't think he's gonna, he's not gonna get fired by by Neil Olshay, and so we'll talk more about the exit interviews and and what happens with this Blazers team in the offseason. I think it's just gonna, it's gonna be a really rough offseason, um, and and not necessarily because I think there's gonna be a lot of moves and a lot of chaos. I just think it's gonna be that because of how the season ended. Uh, but we're gonna talk about the exit interviews in a second, and. Uh, more about what the Blazers should do this offseason. So, uh, exit interviews went down on Sunday afternoon. What should they do? What do they need to do to improve? Uh, and Evan Turner, I thought, had a very nice quote uh, about the Blazers and how they need to form an identity outside of the two scorers outside of CJ and Dame and nobody nobody is mistaken that this team relies on CJ and Dame and you know now that the season is over and and Turner can be more honest about this stuff you know this this also rings a little true with how uh with what Maurice Harkless said earlier in the season when he kind of threw the team under the bus saying that they only play through three guys and that he was just standing over there in the corner and Mo had to apologize to the team and all this stuff and 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 but now zooming out you know having seen this playoff loss and the way it went down and how Portland's other guys simply were not able to 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 make up for it I mean Al Farouk Aminu had some nice games in this series and he was kind of the only one but that third that other wing guy, that the guy in the middle, they, they just did not have enough dynamism around around the team in these games, around CJ and Dame to, to get through rough nights from them. And um, it, it's interesting because I think that Terry Stotts is a very smart offensive coach. That is what he's built his reputation on. And this season, I think part of the, the, the struggle with Portland, and it, it turned into a struggle in the, in the playoffs too because they just couldn't stop the Pelicans is that they were really working on their defense all season long and their offense was awful earlier in the season and I I know that that was something that bothered Stotts and 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 it wasn't something that they weren't working on they were trying to drill it as much as they could in practice but their focus in training camp and in the preseason was so heavily on defense that I think 
maybe just a little bit of offense got lost in the shuffle and and and, and maybe it was just guys you know because maybe Portland was actually defending so maybe uh it wasn't you know wasn't as concerning maybe that that the, they weren't moving like they were before and they weren't moving the ball like they were before because they that's what are the hallmarks of the Blazers offense I mean this year they were last in the NBA in passes per game and last in assists and uh that isn't the type of team we're used to seeing I think they when they tried to refocus this team into a defensive team I think maybe you know there was a little bit of loss there but it 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 does remind me a little bit of Toronto in the past couple of years because Portland has two great guards who were incredible and can put up numbers. CJ McCollum has put up great numbers in his postseason career. Um, but Toronto had to realize that they need an identity outside of their two scorers and they work to make the offense more dynamic more multi-dimensional have more guys that can attack you have more guys that can hit you in different ways so that you can't simply focus on DeRozan and Lowry and Portland's backcourt is younger uh they're both the same age they're both still in their prime uh you know Lowry's on the back end of his prime and he's still playing well and I think I know it doesn't sound sexy and it doesn't sound like probably what you want to hear, but I think that this is probably, you know, they have these two guys. I don't know where they're going to get another free agent. They have no cap space. I, I, I just, I would be worried to trade CJ for pennies on the dollar and I think that you have a player in him and I think what you need to do is continue to rework that stuff around him because I think the backbone of the team is still good but they need more dynamism they need more unpredictability with their offensive attack and I think I think Stotts is 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 capable of doing this and uh I I think he can do this but I I I they made a lot of progress on the defensive end, and I think David Vanterpool, the assistant coach, got a lot of credit for that. But, um, you know, if they can bring that defensive intensity that they had in the regular season and pair it with a better offensive attack, a more balanced offensive attack, uh, that would be great. And I think, you know, the peak of that, we saw that in that 13-game winning streak. Harkless is healthy. He's shooting threes. Him and Aminu were switching on defense. Nurkic scoring in the post. I mean, that is the ideal version of this Blazers team. And they just didn't have it. And partially they didn't have it because they just don't have enough wing guys. They don't have enough Harklesses on the team. They don't have enough guys that can defend the point guards, be quick, rebound the ball, shoot the three. They don't have a lot of those guys. And 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 I don't know if they're going to get any of those guys uh, in free agency or in the upcoming draft. But... Um, if there's one thing I would say that this team needs more than anything is they need extra wing help. And I, I was saying that last year before the draft because I was thinking that they were going to trade Alan Crabb. They traded Alan Crabb, and they didn't draft any wing. So um, I guess, you know, may, maybe maybe I'm being too simple here. Um, but uh, it, I, I – the, the Blazers maybe could use uh, – they, they no, they, not maybe. They definitely could use another wing or two. They need more versatility. They need more guys that can switch. They need more guys that can, you know, 
play multiple positions. They need and they have too many guys that um, that are just have a flaw. And I guess Turner is the is the one that I'm talking about the most. I mean, it just sucks that you know he you can't play him if he he's not shooting, or you have to have him run the point. And um, I, I just think it, it, it was a really brutal series for that too, because no matter what you try and do, Davis is going to be anywhere. So um, I'm trying to think of what Portland should do, but realistically, what are they going to do? The free agency, they have no cap. They have a mid-level exception, and we're going to talk about that mid-level exception in a second. But I, I just don't know what other free agents they're going to get, especially when they have a couple of important free agents of their own. So um, I'm not saying that standing pat is what they should do. I think obviously some changes are needed, and I think some some tweaks are needed. But I don't, and, and obviously they need help on the wing. But I I'm logically trying to figure out where they go from here in the NBA ecosystem, and I'm not really sure. You know, I I, I don't know who it is that they get. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think that uh you know trading CJ for to, to to Orlando or something like that uh would get you what you want. I know some people have thrown out packages out there like Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier, which is, you know, that sounds good, but like uh you know, Gordon is super young, he's inexperienced. He's really good. Maybe he and Dame would play well together, but then, you know, he's never been in the playoffs. You're counting on a guy that has never been in the playoffs. Fournier, the same thing. And those guys are going to make a lot of money together, whereas CJ is just one contract. And, yes, he does. He plays the same position as, as Dame does a lot, but I don't – I just don't see how Evan Fournier is going to take you to the next level is basically what I'm saying. And I think you're just going to have a lot of the same problems that you have. You're going to have different problems, but the problems are still going to keep you from contention. And I think the only thing you can do is you got to keep your two stars. You try and figure out some, some maneuvers if you can um, around the draft and uh, figure it out. And I think it's, it, it's, it, it, it kind of, again, it reminds me of Toronto and, and this is the way that a lot of teams are going to to a lot of teams have decided to build their teams now, um, because they see that going for broke and trying to make a big run at it, which Portland already did in this in this time, you know, with, with the cap space that they did, you know, they're they're screwed. So um, I, I I don't know. I think if anything changes, I mean, it's going to be on Paul Allen to change it. Uh, it's going to be on him to make the call that Olshay hasn't done a good enough job and that Olshay is going to be the one to get fired because I think that's the, the chain of command. So I think if anything happens, Olshay is going to be the one. And, you know, uh, it, it, it does seem like all the players have Terry Stotts' back. Uh, C.J. McCollum had a, a, a really great quote about uh, – Terry Stotts, where he said that Stotts has done a great job with what he's been given, and so uh, it's very clear from all the players that they want that they have the pressure on Olshay to do something, and maybe he gets another chance to do something, maybe he doesn't. But uh, the players seem to all have Stotts' back, whether it's CJ, whether it's Damian Lillard, who has had his back from the very beginning. It's. It's going to be on Olshay whether he, he stays – whether it's going to be on Paul Allen. You know, this is Paul Allen's call. Who does he bring in if he brings in somebody? Um, 
but but ultimately i i don't think it's the worst thing i i, I don't think it's worst to to stand pat with this two guys and and try and maneuver ways to to tinker your roster around them uh the, the Myers contracts and the Evan Turner contracts are going to be really tough, and those are things that hamstring them in trying to improve the team. Uh, but they do have some ways to do that. They also have some big free agents coming up, and, you know, it's not sexy, it's not fun, but, you know, one of the reasons that, that Toronto got to where they got is that they they developed guys, they drafted guys, they they had, uh, you know, a crew of young, talented players waiting in the wings that that ended up taking that next step and unfortunately i think that's what it's not sexy or fun to talk about but i think that's what portland has to hope for because of their cap situation because they've committed to these two guards and i i think frankly the 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 market and their ability to get players is also hamstringing them in this way that um I, I do really think it's probably the best way to go. Try and keep your guys. Try and maybe make a few trades if you can. Uh, since you know, if you have expiring contracts, what 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 have you? But uh, it kind of it kind of sucks. But but, but they, they kind of just have to run it back. I think the matchup was just really that bad. And uh, if I had to make a call, I would say bring back Dane, bring back CJ. You know, bring back Harkless and Minu to see what Zach Collins does in year two. If Nurk's price is pretty good, you try and bring him back and you see what happens because, you know, you saw what happened this year. They, they played pretty solid defense and they got the third seed. I, granted, they got the third seed by one game, but, um, you know, they, they, they still got it. And I think, you know, you don't want to take that away from the team. But, I, I, I mean, I do think, too, the pressure is on, especially with how many years are on CJ's contract and, and stuff like that, that if they are going to try and trade him, I guess this is the time to do it. But, um, yeah, we're going to talk about what else they do in free agency with their free agents in a second. So, um, free agency. Who stays, who goes on the Blazers? They have a couple of guys that are going to be free agents that uh, are important players. Four guys that were in Portland's rotation this season are all going to be free agents. Pat Connaughton, going to be a free agent this year. Shabazz Napier, also going to be a free agent who really emerged and had a career season. Yusuf Nurkic, of course, going to be a free agent as well. He says he wants to be here long term, but obviously both sides have to agree to that. So I think there's going to be lots of negotiations between now and July 1st when the the free agency period kicks off uh, but but Nurk uh, had a nice finish to the season I, I you know he had a really bad start to the season could not make any shots his defense was excellent all season long and I think he's he's good to keep around for for certain guys in the league Anthony Davis maybe not being one of those guys I mean he did not he just did not have a good series against Anthony Davis and and Davis being such a versatile player just makes it really hard uh, on on a guy like Nurkic, and and Nurkic is a quick, nimble, big dude, and he still had trouble with with Anthony Davis, and it was his first playoff series, and I think he'll get better, and he's still 23, and that's the, the craziest thing about Nurkic is that he's so young, and I think 
you, know, you, you need you need that size. You need that. And if he can continue to work on a mid-range jumper um, and, and, and knock that down with consistency, you know, that's really going to open things up for him too. So uh, Nurkic free agent, probably going to be the biggest contract that the Blazers sign in the offseason. Uh, and, and an important one because I think he, he had some chemistry with Dame, had some chemistry with Evan Turner, um, and, and played well. Uh, obviously, he, he didn't play well enough in the playoffs to make a difference or win a game, but I, I think his side, I, I just don't think the matchup was for him. Uh, I think spacing was really premium, and he just was not giving Portland spacing. So uh, Nurkic, a free agent, both sides have to agree. I think that negotiation is going to be very interesting, but I do think that. Uh, the way the league is going, too, with most of the league going away from centers and there being just so few centers that really make an impact in the league, I don't think there's going to be a ton of teams that are going after Nurkic. Uh, so, so so that maybe makes things a little bit easier for the Blazers. But again, I don't know Nurkic's market uh, that well. But just judging off of the trends in the league, it seems like he's... Uh, not going to be the most sought after guy, especially in a cap crunch year where uh, nobody has cap space and everybody that does is trying to get LeBron, trying to get Kawhi Leonard, trying to get Paul George, uh, you know, trying to get a lot of these guys that are free agents. So um, Ed Davis is the last one, another free agent, a huge guy for Portland's identity, a guy that is is huge in building the Blazers' locker room culture. He really gives the Blazers that kind of edge, that that grimy edge, and uh, he he did his thing this year. He came back, was the same Ed Davis that he was two years ago when Portland made it to the second round of the playoffs, and they had the fifth seed, and uh, Davis was just strong. He was solid. Uh, and, and and inside the locker room, he really gives these guys like a, a little bit of confidence and, and, and really, you know, gives them that extra boost inside the locker room. And I think that carries out onto the court. And I just think I, I just think, you know, Portland would like to keep him and they have a taxpayer mid-level exception. But part of the problem is now, you know, as much as they would like to keep him, as much as Dame, I think, would also like to keep him, especially is you know how how many how many how many big men's big men do you carry i mean do do you go do, if you keep nurkic you have Zach Collins, who is presumably going to get better you have Caleb Swanigan, who's also presumably going to get better um you know does portland count on the growth of those guys over ed davis and elect to not bring Ed Davis back. And that's going to be a really interesting question because it, it's a really tough call and it's really going to be a tough business decision because emotionally, and I think you know, you, the vibes in the locker room are such with Ed Davis that you know it would be awful if they lost him um and and he and he's their vet you know he's their he's kind of their old head basically at this point and losing him would be really rough for that and so i i don't know if they can afford to lose him um but i'm not also i'm also not going to say that he's that it can't that he's not going to not be here because we've seen this happen in professional sports all the time where you know guys can be replaced and I think when you look at the roster you see guys like Swanigan maybe uh, Papa Giannis you know these guys that are way way cheaper than Ed Davis and perhaps could give you the production of Ed Davis while not while not giving you that personal um, that intangible 
asset that Ed Davis brings. You know, I, I think that enters the conversation. I think, it, you know, as far as Shabazz Napier, I think Wade Baldwin figures into the conversation because, you know, that's been the model here is is if if guys are going to get a lot of money in free agency, they don't overpay them except Alan Crabb and Myers Leonard and Mo Harkless. But other than that, they, they usually wait and see uh, – they wait for guys to to go into free agency. Then they just have their next crop of second rounders and un, uh, you know guys they signed in in free agency. The second draft, as as a lot of people say now, where guys rookie contracts expire or they flame out with the first team they play with, and then they get a second chance. Uh, Papa Giannis and Wade Baldwin are both second draft guys, and I think uh, Portland being capped out they're trying to find gems in that way and uh you know maybe they they find one and and it's gonna be really interesting what they do with ed davis portland has the taxpayer mid-level exception which is worth 5.19 million ed davis is making around six this year so maybe 5.19 is enough to keep ed davis by using the taxpayer mid-level exception so um you know, maybe Davis stays, and and that could be a way that they they keep him. But as I mentioned, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of maneuvers to add other people to this team in free agency if if they decide to keep Ed Davis with the mid level exception, or if they can negotiate something smaller. But uh, Ed Davis uh, is going to be sought after. He's a great offensive rebounder, and I think he you know, he's really found his place here in Portland. And it would be a shame to lose him. But I do think that. It would be naive to think that the the Blazers front office isn't having the conversation of how much do they really need him when they have when they made an investment last summer in big men. So um, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Blazers. Thank you for being patient with me on waiting for this episode to roll out. Uh, and we're we're gonna have more coverage. Uh, I'm sure there will be well. We'll, we'll see if there's more stuff this week about uh, the Blazers, their staff, who is here, whether they all stay. Um, and, yeah, uh, well, I guess start brushing up on the NBA draft uh, and, and who you may want to add in the draft. And uh, we're going to start paring down the amount of podcasts we have. Also, we're going to be going just a couple of times a week since there are no Blazers games. Uh, we'll touch on the NBA playoffs here and there, but... Uh, we're going to be doing fewer podcasts now that the season is over and there are no more games. But if there is news, we will have it covered here for you. Thank you for following us all season long. Thank you to those of us who have joined us just recently. Uh, and come back uh, throughout the summer and into next season. I think it should be fun. So thanks for listening to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back later on in the week with another edition of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.